What's up, everybody? Welcome to Draft Chaff. My name is Zach. I'm one of your hosts. And joining me, as always, is Ben Fisher. Ben, how you doing? <laughs> I'm oh, kind of dying. All right. <laughs> no, no, it's fine. I, I'm actually not that bad. I'm a, I'm a little under the weather. You might be able to hear my voice. I got a bit of a cold. Uh, fingers crossed it's not COVID. I'm going to go get tested. But my voice is just a little more gravelly now than it usually is, I think. We'll make do. You'll be all right. <laughs> Hopefully it's not the Rona, but, you know, we'll... we'll We'll uh, keep yeah, all, you know, all the listeners posted on that. If I die, you'll have to find a new co-host. What are you going to do then? Jeez, I don't have a clue. <laughs> Please don't do that for many reasons. All right, I- I'll do my best. I'll just keep like, chugging tea as I've been doing for the past three days. Hey, if it works, it works. Uh, we've got a-, a pretty spicy podcast today. Yeah, so this is episode 24. We're doing our uh, live draft of Kaladesh Remastered. So we've got a full draft in store for you all. We're going to be talking over our picks, our thoughts on each pick, right through from pack one to pack three. And uh, it's going to be happening live. We'll be doing a premiere draft. So we are going to be on the clock and you'll get to kind of hear how Ben and I somewhat team draft. I mean, this isn't really a team draft, but it's as close Mm -hmm. as we get in arena so yeah um, you're you're, uh, you're gonna be hearing a little more of zach's input than mine today uh, i think i'm gonna let him take the i guess the the i was gonna say the driver's seat but i guess the vehicle driver's seat oh geez eh? see eh? the funny thing is you have way more experience with this format than i do but uh we'll we'll see how uh, it goes. i'll just uh i guess i'll I'll, uh, I'll correct you if you happen to go too far off course all right sounds good <laughs> But before we get to that, of course, we have to plug our sponsor. MTG Arena Zone is your top destination for all Magic the Gathering arena articles, community decks, news, and more. They've got plenty of content for constructed and limited players alike, uh, from top archetypes to theory articles and much more. So head on over to mtgarenazone.com or mtgazone.com to check out all of their content over there. Of course, we are also brought to you by you, the listener, via Patreon. You can check our tiers and rewards and such out at patreon.com forward slash draft chaff pod and we have a new patron to welcome to you know ben i was i was wondering we don't have a name for like our community right a lot of streamers have like a name like lsv has the divination and gabby has uh what i don't know something about snakes that's right yeah the, the, the viper brood yeah yeah so i was thinking i don't know if this is too derogatory let us know patrons and uh discord members Oh God. what you think but i think we should be calling ourselves the chaff pile <laughs> you didn't tell me about this before <laughs> no i did not oh man i kind of like it i uh, like I mean, like we threw somebody else on the chaff pile but that sounds awful doesn't it it's like really <laughs> derogatory oh man uh i mean i i think ideally we are trying to to welcome the idea of of chaff having value that's well, that's, that's our, exactly our my thought. Chaff is our most valued thing, right? Yeah, it is. I mean, our, what in our tier in in uh, in our Discord? Aren't we? Aren't we the chaff too? We are. Yeah, we we are literally chaff. Hmm. I I think we could. We might be able to workshop that a little bit. But patrons, let us know if you're okay with that. <laughs> yeah, maybe we'll do a, a patron poll uh, where you guys can give us your input on that. Yeah. But anyway, we we need something though. I like it. I like it. Yeah, we, we got to come up with something. But this week we have a new patron to welcome to our community, uh, Max, a.k.a. Hululu. I think I got enough Lus in there uh, in the Discord. Welcome. Thank you so much for your support. We really can't thank you enough. And, and to all our patrons, uh, I just at a loss for words. I really can't even believe that people support us like this. Yeah, it's it's so amazing of you all. And it makes our lives so much easier. And it makes doing this podcast uh, that much more effective. So thank yeah. you. 
And uh, we do have a small little shakeup in the patron this month. Um, one of our amazing founders and um, I think actually our first founder um, has decided due to their their um, schedule and having a hard time putting together scheduling for us to coach. Um, they've decided to move their tier off of founder. So we do have a an open founder spot. If you are interested in getting involved on Patreon and you want kind of our highest, uh, I would say it's it's our highest value but lowest cost tier. Um, there's only one spot open. So if that is um, something you were interested in before but you missed out on, there's one more spot open. So go ahead and check that out if you're still interested. Mm-hmm. So just as a reminder, founder tier comes with a lot of other cool perks, but the, the most notable thing about it is that it comes with some coaching. So once a month, you can hang out with Zach and I. We'll, we'll walk you through a draft or talk about a draft that you had or just chat limited, whatever you want to do. Yeah. So that brings us to our crack draft type thing. This week, we have uh, a Caldas Remastered draft that I was uh, a part of and thought this was an interesting pack because it's it's a pack two pick two and... I don't think in, in my seat when I was when I was running this draft, I wasn't clear on what my deck was supposed to be doing yet. Typically on the show, we talk a lot about how pack one is kind of your find the lane pack. Pack two is kind of figure out what um, what full archetype is open, get in, get solidified into both colors um, or three colors if you happen to be in more than one or more than two rather. But at this point, I really don't know what I'm drafting. So real quick in the deck so far, we have a blossoming defense. Inventor's Goggles, Cathartic Reunion, Chandra's Pyrohelix, Pyro Two Welding Sparks, A Mobile Garrison, Propeller Pioneer, Chandra's Revolution, Quicksmith Rebel, Sweatworks Brawler, Hunt the Weak, and a Gear Seeker Serpent. So we have a handful of good red cards, good removal in Welding Sparks, Chandra's Revolution, the, the Pyrohelix. We have a Goggles, which is maybe says that the, um, you know, the, the more aggressive deck is open. And we have Hunt the Weak and Blossoming Defense, which can be pretty good cards in the green decks. And a Propeller Pioneer is one of the better white commons. Um... So, so that's where we are with the deck right now. Mm-hmm. Into pack two, pick two. I open a Rish card, or I'm past a Rish card's expertise. Great green rare. An aerial responder, which is a fantastic white uncommon. A whirler virtuoso. Yeah, exactly. A whirler virtuoso, which is a fantastic blue red payoff. And that's about it. That's really like keep, keeping my attention. There's an attune with ether, a sweatworks brawler as well. But those were the three. And they're in such different camps that I really didn't know what to do. I ended up taking the aerial responder, hoping to go kind of with the aggressive plan, leverage my removal spells and, and have a, a good threat. But I don't know if that was correct. Where, what would you be doing in this seat? So I got to say, this is one of the best crack a draft type things I think we've had on this show. This is this is fascinating. So what did you what was your pack to pick one here? That's a good question. I think I'd have to pull up the um, the the uh, the actual like draft log. I want to yeah, say sure. it was one of the one of the removal spells. It might have been the welding spark, the second welding sparks. Yeah, I was thinking that it looks like it could be a welding sparks type pick there, uh, unless it was like a rare that you slam. Like uh, besides that, anything I could think of, maybe the quicks with rebel. If that was it, but yeah. Um, so looking at oh, this, it might have been the rebel. Yeah, I think that might have been my pack one pick one though. So this is really interesting. Uh, we ha- you have primarily a base of very strong red cards going into pack two. And you have admittedly nothing in blue except the Gear Seeker Serpent. So the Whirler Virtuoso is not looking at its best. The other thing that would want me to take that is the Inventor's Goggles, uh, because blue-red is just full of artificers. And the goggles go very well in the artificer deck. They help right. you improvise out some of the bigger threats that that deck can get. 
Uh, and just having artifacts laying around tends to be better for that deck anyway. Now, also, uh, if you had a Propeller Pioneer, and depending on what the signals were in the fat in the first pack, maybe if you got that later, um, maybe this Pioneer is something that you want, and you have the Mobile Garrison and a, a good suite of red removal that can be used to back up some cheap, aggressive red-white creatures. And then, of course, you have Rishgar's Expertise, the kind of big, bomby, six-drop, draw a bunch of cards uh, based on uh, power. That's the power-based one, right? I think it is. I think so. Uh, but it's... You go to the Greek's power. Of yeah, creatures. and then you get you get to cast something for free. Yeah. yeah, free cast of five or less. So this is admittedly a bit slow in the format. Um, the green decks usually can live until turn six. That's not always a problem. But uh, this is an always be attacking type of format. If you're not attacking, uh, you better be putting up some pretty good defenses or you're going to get run over by a vehicle or a, a big hasty threat you didn't expect or a flyer that gets pumped. So not every deck is in the market for a six drop card draw spell. Mm -hmm. Admittedly, a very powerful one. I mean, a lot of the five drops in the set have uh, in green have four or five power thinking uh, the Lifecraft Cavalry or the Rip Tiger, right? So you, you draw a bunch of cards with it. Uh, the question is, do you live long enough afterwards to make use of them? So given this position, I think I would have taken the expertise here, mostly because it was passed to you from the left. And what this tells me is that you're going to be passed a bunch of pretty good green cards. You already have a Blossoming Defense and a Hunt the Week, which go great in the uh, the red-green monsters deck. They're passing you a uh, a very powerful green card. And this is suggesting that they're going to be passing other pretty powerful green cards too. If you are able to slot maybe like a, a th couple thriving rhinos into this deck, um, a rip tiger or two, even some life crafters cavalries, maybe, maybe a ridge scale tusker if they end up passing that, which uh, who, who passes that? But the fact that they're passing you a green rare does seem pretty good. They took an uncommon out of this pack, the person to your left. So we don't have too much of an idea about what it is. That there's a lot of uncommons worth taking above Rishkar's expertise, but not any green ones, I don't think. Um, maybe a nature's way, but I think personally I would have been on Rishkar's expertise here. However, I think the next pick would be Whirler Virtuoso, and I think they're pretty close. I like the red green deck a lot, uh, but I uh, I think they're really close. It, Whirler Virtuoso might be the correct pick, but I like drawing cards in green. I, I'm I'm slamming that thing and and taking the risk. Interesting, yeah. So I like I said, I ended up going with the Aerial Responder and building a, a red white beatdown deck out of this. Mm -hmm. um, I think and it, it it's been a while since I looked at this this draft log, but I I'm pretty sure that that was the correct seat to be in after the fact. Um, the deck wasn't excessively powerful, but it it was able to get enough done that that I think it worked out. I don't know. I should have checked this out before we started recording, but I, I don't recall whether Wait the now. other seats, uh, like the green-red deck or the blue-red deck, were actually open in this seat. But I thought this pick was extremely interesting. Um, yeah. Obviously, we're on kind of different spectrums. And I think I, I agree with everything you said about Rishkar's expertise. It does seem like my opponent, at least the person to my left, is not in green. And, you know, hopefully the person to their left isn't either. And I, I'm just going to get fed all the green. Um, mm -hmm. But I and I knew the red was open for my right. Obviously, I kept pretty open in red yeah. um, in the third or in the first pack. So I know I'm going to get red in the third mm -hmm. um, unless yeah, red's super open. Right. Uh, unless the person to my right ends up, um, you know, pivoting randomly. But I really wanted to try to leverage um, the, the like powerful flyers with uh, the, the removal I had. So I, I took the responder. Um, but yeah, I, I agree with everything you said. Yeah, I think 
<clears throat> I think all three of these are pretty respectable picks. Um, I will say that uh, you, a lot of your removal is cheaper. Uh, Welding Sparks and Chandra's Pyro Helix are, are on the cheaper side. And I think that can pair well with uh, a few things. It, it can pair well with uh, a, an aggressive start where you dump your hand and then you get to double spell, like play another two drop and kill their one potential blocker and then swing. Or it mm -hmm. can help keep you alive until you are resolving this uh, Rich Card's expertise to make sure that you don't get run over by, uh, I don't know, a bunch of two ones. And Chandra's Pyro Helix is obviously amazing in that regard. So I, I've found green card draw to be okay situationally in this format. I, I've gotten the chance to play Lifecrafter's Bestiary a few times, which I absolutely love that card. And uh, it is just barely fast enough for the format. Uh, you can manage to stabilize with it just from pure card advantage. Yeah, I mean, and that's a that's a cheap card. It's not like that's, you know, a 10 drop. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, okay. Well, uh, yeah, let us know in the Discord um, what you guys would have taken here. I'm interested to hear what the community thinks. But that brings us yeah. to our Teferi Tybalt. So, Ben, uh, what, what have you been up to this week? How's that been going? Well, uh, besides my, my current condition, which I think this is just a cold that I just kept not sleeping and uh <laughs> and uh just it just got a little worse because you know that's how bodies work um my, my table for the week was that uh I, I fell out of the top 1200 limited like right before the end of the season um I, it was a little different this season usually i try to hit like high mythic pretty early in the season i'm already back on the grind um and then i just kind of coast for the rest of the season uh i've noticed the drift is around like 30 to 40 places a day so depending on when you hit it, uh, you can just kind of relax. Yeah, this that, time, that's unlimited, right? To be clear. Yeah, yeah, that's unlimited. So um, I think my highest this last season was 19th, uh, which I was pretty happy with. Yeah. Um, I might try to get a little higher this season, uh, get some nice screenshots for Twitter. You know, that's the only reason that people the ladder in 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 at Mythic, right? It's it's for those sweet sweet Twitter screens. Yeah, well, Wizards isn't isn't really giving you anything for getting number one or anything. So yeah, that's all we have to go on. Yeah, it's it's mostly just clout. But look, I'd be lying if I said I didn't like the occasional clout. But uh, yeah, no, I I, uh, I ended up falling out of it, and I, I with my schoolwork, I didn't have time to get back in. So as disappointing as that was, I decided, you know, I'm going to refocus a little bit. I want to take a break. Uh, I started jamming some historic now that some of my favorite red cards are back. Uh, Chandra and Bomat Courier, my, my two missing pieces to the old standard mono red deck that I used to love playing. I, I'm a mid-range guy at heart, but uh, when it comes to trying to win games straight up, I love mono red. Uh, I, I, my brain just clicks with it for some reason. Uh, I, I, I love playing it. So... Uh, I that my Teferi for the week was that I tore through historic ladder. Uh, I made mythic from uh, like high plat in like under a week. Uh, I think got through diamond in like four hours. It, it was a lot of fun. Wow, that's dope. How about you? What's up? Yeah, well, uh, not I didn't put this in the show notes, but you know, to go off of what you were just talking about with historic, I also took um, a stroll down historic street this past week. Not really to try to to ladder or anything. Um, I mean, I was interested in in seeing what I could do because I don't really. I very, very rarely try to ladder constructed, mm -hmm. um, but I decided to give it a spin and play around with a few different things. And I didn't really know the format because I haven't been following historic since like the big uh, mythic invitational that happened in the summer with like oh, the yeah. Muxus and all that. Uh, mm -hmm. So I didn't know the I didn't know the format, really. Um, I didn't know what decks were meta, but I realized uh, through MTGA zone, I saw a random top like 20 finish at, at some event with a mono blue tempo deck and mono blue tempo is like my Ooh. first love in magic that is yeah. the deck that really just sings to me 
Um, and I was like, you know what? Okay, let me let me try to see what I can do with this deck. And so I put it together. I ran it twice in best of one and realized this deck is not a best of one deck. Uh, it, it just relies too heavily on certain uh, card configurations in the sideboard. And when I say mono blue tempo, I'm talking about um, more traditional tempo, like bounce your opponent's stuff, counter their spells while maybe getting one threat out and then using that single threat and preventing your opponent from getting rid of it to to close the game and drowning them in card advantage. That yeah, kind of it's tempo. like a Curious Obsession deck, right? Yeah, so it's Curious Obsession. It runs uh, a bunch of one drops like Siren Storm Tamer and uh, this the Spectral Sailor. Um, most things it has are instant speed or flash, the exceptions being the Storm Tamer, Curious Obsession, and Curiosity. I think every single every single other card in the deck, uh, oh, and the uh, Tempest Djinn, uh, but every other sing- every other card in the deck has has uh, instant speed. Uh, so my it runs. Least favorite deck to play against, and it's my favorite deck to play. It just clicks with me so well. But anyway, so I, I ran it through best of one. I went 50-50. You know, I lost one one one, and then I decided, okay, this is a best of three deck. I whipped together a quick sideboard, and I just jammed with it, dude. I, I think <laughs> the last screenshot I sent you, I had a ninety-one percent win rate over like two stupid. dozen games, or not not two dozen, yeah. eight do- a dozen games yeah, uh, it was or matches. Um, it's since come back to a little bit of a normal state i'm at like a 79 percent win rate with it right now over like 20 something game or matches but still i am loving it and i it's actually inspired me because one of my least favorite things with constructed is obviously you have to keep up with all the wild cards and, and buying cards and all that kind of stuff and i like to do that through limited i like to build my collection through limited and then have the cards and and gems and stuff to build constructed decks after that um but usually Great that happens news. uh Breaking news, Zach is a blue mage. <laughs> oh, yeah. Sorry, guys. I know you all thought I was a green mage, but uh, no, blue is the color I love. Um, but yeah, so so it, it, it normally I, I try to acquire all my cards through limited, right? But that tends to get me to a complete set by the end of a set's lifespan. So I might have a full set of Zendikar Rising by the end of Zendikar Rising and the, the release of Kaldheim. Cal- yeah. Which is kind of too late to really enjoy the cards in standard. Um so that time they're like halfway out right so uh what this is in this this i mean historic is a more eternal format of sorts as far as arena is concerned but it's inspired me to basically only run this mono blue deck in historic and i'm just going to keep it updated every set i'm going to try to finagle some some 75 cards with it that actually work and we'll see how it goes i'm curious to see if i can keep the deck at a at a an above 50 percent win rate always like without ever uh shifting off of it and so far i've been really really enjoying the deck so i'm not worried about uh burnout or anything like that um but we'll see if i can hit mythic with it i might try to hit mythic this month we'll see tell you what if you want to see some burnout i'll play your uh i'll play mono red against your mono blue deck then i'll show you some burnout (laughs) oh geez yeah well i still have i'm still four and one against uh against mono red decks oh you've you've been playing like what randoms nah it's my turn (laughs) (laughs) all right all right we'll we'll give it a shot um admittedly it's a bad matchup but i've had 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 a pretty good streak against it i'm gonna bolt every bird i see (laughs) my uh my actual teferi tibolt this week my teferi is that um i'm gonna be trying to play some paintball this weekend um Mm. it's kind of a little celebration for my brother's birthday and he's a huge paintball fan so we're gonna try to do that um it's kind of, I, as far as I see it, it's a pretty good COVID activity because you rarely get super close to anybody. You're outside and you're wearing a mask already. So ah, huge brain move. I, I think it's and I think it's a, a safe ish thing to be doing. 
Uh, so hopefully that won't be a problem. My Teferi or my, sorry, my Tybalt this week is that COVID be COVID and uh, it hasn't gone away yet. <laughs> it's still here and it's being uh, annoying. Yeah. I've been seeing some things about rolling out uh, vaccine times. It's looking like by this time next year, things could be back to normal if, if everything goes smoothly. Yeah. Yeah. Here's hoping. That's that's also a year away though. And look, I'm not trying to waste too much of my twenties. Yeah, like if right? I were to waste my twenties, I would have gone back to grad school again. <laughs> but <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, well, um, that brings us to our listener questions this week. We do have a handful of them. We're going to go with three this week, uh, since in general, this should be a shorter show with the, uh, with the, with the draft kind of keeping us to a strict timeline apart from this intro stuff. So first question we have from Jaren in the discord, what archetypes in Zendikar rising drafts do you have the most fun playing? I think we're on the same page with this one, Ben. Uh, for me, I got two easy answers. Black, white clerics, blue, green kicker. Yeah. Uh, same exact, same order even for me as well. Like black, white clerics is what yep. I want to be doing with every draft of the rest of my life. I want, I want, mm. uh, I want the celebrants. I want the blight priests. I want the relic vials yep. and you yep. know, the occasional attended healer thrown into that combo is uh, oh, chef's kiss. So good. I, the, I think my favorite curve out in the format is like one of the, the two drop clerics into core celebrant into attended healer. You just feel like you can't lose. Like they have to kill something. And the, the weirdest part is I think they often kill the attended healer, but I think they're often supposed to kill the core celebrant. The deck is just so resilient. And then, of course, toss some blood beckonings in there and it never even mattered. I will say blue-black rogues is getting a little higher on my list. Uh, I've, I've put together a lot of blue-black value piles that just go over the top, uh, kicking um, like kicking royal mages to get back blood beckonings that you use to get back more <laughs> royal mages. Oh, and, and you also have a, a Drake Haven out, so you're getting value this whole time. That, that's pretty fun, too. Drake Haven? Uh, oh, oh, no. <laughs> Rooster Drakes. You can tell a little out of it, right? <laughs> Throwback. Yeah, no, but I, I'm I'm totally with you. Um, and I think that's one of the few decks. Blue White Party sometimes can do it too, where where they can kind of go toe to toe with Black White Clerics. I think Black White Clerics. Here's what it has going for it, right? It can stall the board like nobody's business. It can stall the board against just about any deck in the format. If you have if you have enough good flyers, okay, you you can probably get over the top. But if you you have to still race the celebrants. Um, mm-hmm. And on top of that, all of its main pieces are at common or uncommon. Like, yeah, you know, like an, it's an not hard to put the deck together. Drana. Yeah, those are just like icing on the on the already very, very powerful cake. Yeah, and then you have blue green kicker. Like, who doesn't love a rooster drakes every now and then? And uh, getting to kick all your stuff and ramp up. Yeah, it's like mm-hmm. nothing yeah, to complain seeing, about there. Seeing a good kicker deck with uh like all the cards actually cost between like one and three, maybe some four drops, but then you're like tapping out every turn for the entire game. It's so much fun. Oh yeah. Very, very nice. Next up, we have a question from OD402 who asks, what remastered remastered set would you like to see Watsy do next? And what, if any, extra cards from outside the block would you like added? Oh, awesome question. Yeah, I really like this one. So as for remasters, I think I'd like to see, I, I know we might be getting a little sick of Zendikar, but it'd be kind of cool to see like a full Zendikar remastered from the old Zendikar sets. So those mm-hmm. that are newer players might not know that there have actually been two Zendikar blocks before this. Uh, this is not our first time here. And the, the previous few times involved a lot more colorless Eldritch monsters. So I, I think it'd be cool to see a full Zendikar 
uh, it has to be a pretty big set to to encapsulate everything that the previous Zendikar blocks have had. But a lot of iconic, uh, a lot a, a lot of iconic uh, mechanics got their start there. Like uh, it'd be cool to see what a landfall deck looks like when we're drawing from cards that were printed what ten years ago, mm-hmm. as well as ones that are printed today. Yeah, Zendikar would be interesting. I don't think they would do that anytime soon just because we just Mm -hmm. got zendikar and the interesting thing so far with the remastered sets is they've been sets that were originally on arena if you're new to the game you might not realize this but when arena was first put out in like a private beta and then sort of into public beta uh it had it already had uh the kaladesh block on it it had amonkhet block it had i think it even had shadows block shadows over innistrad i think was on i feel like the uh I feel like it was either Amonkhet or Kaladesh that it started with. Okay, so maybe Shadows maybe it didn't have, have Shadows, but it definitely had both Amonkhet and Kaladesh. Um, so these are sets that were already on Arena, and then when they moved to, I think it was when they moved to public beta, they got they just took them out of the game for whatever reason. I don't even know if they gave a proper reasoning for that. Uh, but they were already in the game, so we knew they were coming back in some way, shape, or form. It was just a matter of what does that look like. Yeah. So now that we have those, if if Shadows never was on Arena, because I genuinely don't remember, um, then we're kind of done with all the sets that were on Arena and no longer like that were taken off. Um, so I wouldn't mind seeing OG Innistrad get put mm-hmm. back. Like it's generally <laughs> generally regarded as one of the best uh, limited formats. And actually, going in that vein, I would love to see Cons of Tarkir on on Arena mm-hmm. yeah. because Cons block, well, not Cons block necessarily, but Cons as a set like that was that's i think still the number one limited set for almost everybody like just across the board that format was so good and you know with all the extra like the wedges which we haven't really seen supported in a limited format in quite some time uh i i think that would be so much fun yeah uh og innistrad would be sweet uh that that's what i was thinking and as for the cards we'd like to see added to it I honestly, it's hard to say off the top of my head. I, I think it'd be cool to see some of the, the more flavorful ones put in from like return trips to Innistrad or, or if I was saying Zendikar, like maybe one, cards that are related to Zendikar from core sets. Um, oftentimes the core sets have cards that are related to multiple planes. So I don't know. That could be fun from a flavor perspective and maybe even from a gameplay perspective. But besides that, uh, if we're going to look at the constructed applicability of this, which, you know, I guess we're draft chat, but we can get a little constructed if we have to. Um, just some other old cool cards to uh, to mix up the historic format a little bit. Maybe uh, some new build arounds um, or things that could inspire new decks or, or ones that could put a, a existing decks over the edge. Yeah, I think, I mean, my number one answer would have been Sphinx's Revelation, but we got that one. Um, <laughs> so maybe Supreme Verdict would be pretty sweet. That's, that's another one of my like all-time favorite cards, which would be nice to have. Um, and I don't think it Give really... Tireless Tracker. Tireless Tracker would be a cool one. And I don't think either of those really, like, shake up historic as we know it. Like, there are board wipes, and I don't think making it non-counterable changes anything, really. Uh, no. Tireless Tracker is just a value engine. We have plenty of those already. I don't I don't yeah. think it's really anything over the top. Yeah, I think I agree with you, though. Like, some kind of build around. I don't know if I want to see the f- historic become modern, necessarily. I kind of like where it is as far as, like, how different it feels. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I honestly I'm not too sure, and I I kind of like that they didn't add really anything extra. They added the one sculpting steel, but uh, they didn't really add anything in Kaladesh, and I think that was good. I, I like that they can like they reserve the ability to inject cards into historic whenever they want, but mm-hmm. I like that they aren't going too heavy with that. Yeah, it's good balance for now. Yeah, 
And lastly, for our uh, listener questions this week, we have Batwheels, who asks, have you ever taught someone to play magic? Any tips or pointers to convince someone to give it a try? Uh, nope, never have ever taught anybody. Definitely not uh, hosting a podcast with somebody I taught to play magic. That would be absurd. Funny you say that because I actually don't remember where I learned to play magic. I think I was just born with. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah. No, uh, the joke is I, I taught Ben to play, how to play um, and I kind of brought him in via draft, I think was the first first like yep. actual introduction to the game. We we jammed some Theros, original Theros draft uh, yeah. way back when. Um, and that was a ton of fun. I'm actually a terrible teacher. Like I, I, that is a quality that I am fully aware of in myself. I'm just not good at uh, teaching people things mostly because when I explain something, I do it in the simplest way I know how. And then when somebody doesn't understand that, I don't know how to be any simpler. So <laughs> I, I'm bad at that sort of pivoting, um, reevaluation of, of explanations. But, um, I have, I've taught Ben, I taught a, a couple of friends in college how to play. Um, luckily the, the, one of the fan, one of the guys that I taught in college, uh, is very similarly minded to me. So he loves Demir control and that was easy enough to teach. Hmm. Yeah. So I've also taught a handful of people now. So we kind of have this domino effect. I blame you for this. And a few of them are even uh, listeners and discord members. So I guess uh, Matt, Kevin, any of you are listening, uh, shout out to you all. But I, I've gotten a few of my friends hooked as well. And I, on the other hand, I'd like to think I'm a pretty good teacher. Uh, I would have so. my profession and I do have a master's in teaching. So uh, I I know some research-based teaching strategies. So uh, as for, I guess I'll give two perspectives on this. My uh, like magic perspective and then my educational perspective. So from the education perspective, I would say uh, the best way to teach someone something is for them to experience it themselves. So if you're showing someone arena, for example, give them the mouse. Uh, don't just have them watch. Be like, check this out. This is how this works. And uh, don't get overly uh, detailed about it. Um, there's, there's a, And also, if you really are trying to convince them, think about the things that they like and what they might like in the game. So uh, if you're talking to someone that's uh, maybe they're, they're not usually into this type of thing, you might not want to lead with something along the lines of like, you can cast spells at your opponent and then get gear hulks. Like they're, they're going to look at you like you're insane. Uh, but if you tell them, like, if you happen to know that uh, they like quick thinking and, and decision making, give them a mono red deck and be like, check this out. I'm going to kill my opponent in three turns. And they'll be like, whoa, what can I? And then you'll be like, yes, here, do it. Start them with something like that, that uh, that's uh, straightforward and has a, a, an easy game plan. Um, and uh, also from the educational perspective of it, I'd say having someone learn things about the game on their own is much more valuable than telling. Mm -hmm. So having them experience a bad block will teach them so much more than you saying, oh, no, you shouldn't block that. Uh, it, obviously, don't do this in ladder and don't blow gems on teaching your friends how to block properly, but uh, have them experience everything about it themselves, but then also give them opportunity for success. So maybe help point them in the right direction. Say, hey, you could, uh, you could consider attacking here or you could consider blocking here. Give them some options and then uh, let them figure out how to do it on their own. That's how you hook people on, on learning from an education perspective. From, from the nerd perspective, if you're trying to get another nerd hooked on magic, you just say, hey, you like D&D? &D? And they go, yeah. And you say, what if you could do that anytime? And also it's like D&D &D and chess and poker. That'll get a good number of people hooked on its own. Yeah, that's fair. I, I actually recently 
a couple of weeks ago was trying to teach uh, my wife how to play magic, which we've been married almost a year, a year at the end of the month. And um, I haven't really brought it up with her. I haven't breached the subject because I don't know mm-hmm. that it's something she would be that interested in. But yeah. uh, she saw me playing with some cards on arena and saw like a cat in the art. And then we kind of connected over the art and I started sh- now, like anytime pretty art comes out, like jeweled Lotus was spoiled. I showed her that and she was like riveted by how amazing the art is. So we kind of oh, yeah. connected her into the game via the art. And then I was like, Hey, I'm going to build you a deck that's entirely cats because she loves cats. <laughs> uh, so I built like a cheap, um, in typical uh, Ben's deck building bonanza or, or whatever you call that yeah, yeah. Bulk, bulk building bonanza, um, <laughs> which is one of our patron tiers uh, in, in that fashion, I built her like a $15 deck that's all cats and actually probably relatively uh, like competitive in, in a casual setting. Um, looks like it actually might be pretty good. And so I'm going to get her those cards. We're going to try to jam it. But then I also sat her down and had her watch, um, the professor's video on how to play magic that he put out relatively recently. Oh yeah. And she, it was, I mean, it, we didn't even get through the whole thing. We got through like maybe half of it. And she looked at me like, what are you doing to me? Like she was not having it from that perspective. I think it was too much information at once. So definitely know your audience and, uh, uh, pace, pace it out. It, you don't have to teach everything in one day. By the way, is she listening to this? Is not at the moment. She's at work. She's oh, at work. Okay. <laughs> so that'd be pretty funny. Well, thanks for the questions, folks. Uh, we really appreciate getting those and, and being able to talk about um, topics that you really want to hear answers to. And in that same vein, if you are listening and haven't joined the Discord yet, do that. Uh, the link to that is in the episode description, as always, or on our Twitter page. Um, we have tons of channels there. And um, we also have a section for content suggestions. So if we you want us to talk about a topic on a show, we can do a whole show about it or whatever, depending on the topic, how it fits, um, all that sort of thing. Drop it in the content suggestions. We really want to do stuff that, that you guys want to hear. So... Yeah, or just keep asking us questions. That too. All right, what do you say we get into a live Calidus draft here, Ben? Can we buy it real quick? I need to refill my cup. Yeah, <laughs> sure, go for it. I'll, through it. <laughs> I'll, I'll pause the recording for the patrons here just because we're not going to be saying anything for a bit. Yeah, man, I got a fresh cough drop, a glass full of juice. Let's do it. All right, and just so you know, folks that are listening, uh, if you're interested in catching this in video form, uh, we should have this up on YouTube as well. Uh, we're going to do a video recording. So that's easier to follow along if, if that's your cup of tea. Yeah, let's uh let's get to it. Got a fresh cough drop. Got a brand new mug full of juice. I'm ready. All right. Um, all right, we're going to get into it. Doing a premiere draft, Caldish Remastered, and uh, we're hopping into the draft table now. So what are we hoping to open here, Ben? Pack one, pick one. What's your what's your top pick? Ooh, it's tough. There's so many exciting things to see here. Uh, I do like the Gear Hulks, I will say. Starting with a Gear Hulk just feels like you're in a great spot. Cataclysmic is way up there because it's a, a huge threat, and Vigilance is surprisingly good in this format. Yeah, it turns out when you're attacking all the time, being able to also block when you might need to is is really good. Mm-hmm. All right, we, here we are um, getting into the table, and let's see what we've got. So our first pack we open here, we see a Quicksmith Rebel as the rare. We've got a Foundry Hornet, Whirler Virtuoso, and Foundry Inspector at the uncommon slot, and then we have a Riparian Tiger, Pima Outrider, that's about all I see that's any any interest to me. Mm-hmm. We just slam the Quicksmith Rebel here? Yeah, I think so. I'd say Quicksmith Rebel. Yeah, it's it's really strong. We're going to be looking to pick up some cheap artifacts. Downside is we're passing a Whirler Virtuoso, so if the person to our left is taking either a blue or a red card, they might snag that and move into blue-red, which we might end up getting cut in in pack two. It'd be sad, but um, who knows? Maybe, no one, maybe they take a green card and they're just not interested in it. 
Yeah, I mean, there are a couple of good green cards. We're not really passing any other good red either. Built to Smash is the only other red card in the pack besides the World of Virtuoso. Mm-hmm. And, and Christmas in- Rebel doesn't necessarily have to go into blue-red. We could wind up in right. any red deck. And we might not even play it. I'd take the Rebel here. Yeah, definitely. All right, pack two, we see a Paradoxical Outcome, which is a great card, but not limited. Um, we see a Quicksmith Genius in red, Spireside Infiltrator. There is a, an Arborback Stomper in green. Tune with Ether, which is great. Druid of the Cow. Some good green cards, but we did pass a couple of those already. Gear Seeker Serpent and Metallic Rebuke in blue. There's an Aether Poisoner in black. Propeller Pioneer and Aviary Mechanic in white. Yeah, I'm a big fan of the Aether Poisoner, but not this early. I think we're looking to pick up a little more power here. Might go with the Quicksmith Genius uh, because it synergizes very well with the Quicksmith Rebel. You got a whole bunch of Quicksmiths together. At that point, we'll be starting to look for like stuff like Artificer's Goggles or other cheap things, implements, uh, maybe even some cheap artifact creatures. Yeah, I think that that's fair to say. Um, Aether Poisoner seems a bit better than I first gave it credit for. I, I wasn't very high on it in the beginning of the format, but it has been a little bit better than I th- expected it to be. Yeah, it's fantastic. We take the genius there. We're past an Illusionist Stratagem, Spire Patrol, so so some good uh, blue-white cards. Uh, Engineered Might, uh, Countless Gears Renegade in white. There's another Aether Poisoner, Achandra's Revolution in red. We see uh, Salivating Gremlins and Ruinous Gremlins as well. Uh, in red, there's a Kujar Seed Sculptor in green, but I think Chandra's Revolution is probably just the pick here. I don't think we're really positioned well enough to take the Spire Patrol, and I think the, the removal is better than the Countless Gears Renegade. Mm, I agree. I think picking up some nice removal here uh, fills out our, our curve pretty nice. Uh, another four drop to put in there, and honestly, tapping the land down, not always irrelevant. Oh yeah, in fact, I find it to be pretty relevant in this format. Um, okay, on to our next pack. We see, wow, this is a pack. Uh, we've got an Inspiring Vantage, so a nice rare land that would be in colors we're interested in, the red-white uh, rare land. We also see a Scrapper Champion, which is one of the best red uncommons, if not the best red uncommon. Uh, in my opinion, it, it's such a good card. Uh, we also see Sweatworks Brawler in red at the common slot. and Sweaty B. Good old Sweaty B. And we see a Narnum Cobra, Lifecraft Cavalry in green, Prakata Pillar Bug in colorless slash black. I think we just, it, it, I guess we just slam the champion here. I don't think we really need the Inspiring Vantage well enough, like strongly enough to take that. Absolutely. Uh, three people to our right have told us that they are going to be passing us strong red cards. And, uh, even passing something as strong as a Scrapper Champion. This means people were taking, uh, what is this, pick four? That means people were taking uh, commons over the Scrapper Champion. People don't want this. Now we see a Quicksmith Genius in our next pack, a Shielded Aether Thief, a Ballista Charger, nothing else much besides that. Uh, commencement of festivities, unbridled growth, implement of malice. None of these are where we want to be. Between uh, Quicksmith Genius and Ballista Charger here for me. Yeah, same. I don't know if, if Ballista Charge is really the type of artifact we want to be seeing with our uh, our Quicksmith Genius and our, our Quicksmith Rebel, but they, it is an artifact and it does get some damage in. Um, maybe that's the pick we're over the Genius. Want, I think we're mostly going to want cheaper stuff. I'm on the that's sort true. of Genius here. Uh, I think we're going to be able to sort through our deck and find our power pretty well when we eventually start picking it up. Yeah, I think you're right. Okay, next pack we have very little red. There's only a Frontline Rebel. Um, and white has also dried up. There's an inspired charge. Uh, blue seems relatively open, but we haven't seen anything like amazing in blue. There's an ether meltdown to do Kara, Peafowl, Ice Over, Shipwreck Moray, and Weldfast Wingsmith in this pack. But otherwise, I'm not super excited. Maybe we take the Peafowl and just like potentially if we end up in blue, white or blue, red, we, we have a, an artifact to play, but it's not really an exciting card. I like the aether meltdown a little bit better here as a potential hedge towards blue. And I, I think, I'm, like I said, I'm a little disappointed we had to pass that Whirl of Virtuoso. I think we might have put someone in blue-red to our left, but maybe they're off it by now, and maybe we do wind up as the blue-red seat. 
Yeah, so that's what we took here. Now we're past an Imperial Voyager, one of the the, the Simic uh, uncommon signposts, which is interesting. There's a Spireside Infiltrator in red, uh, and otherwise we see Ether Theorist and a Hinterland Drake in blue, which are both solid blue cards. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's also an impeccable timing and an aviar mechanic in white. Uh, honestly, the only thing that I really hate here is the Defiant Salvenger and the uh, Consulate Skygate, some other random little nonsense cards. I don't know, we've got options here. I might take the Aether Theorist here just as an early blocker. I don't mind the aviar mechanic though or the Infiltrator either. Yeah, I guess the question is, I'm going to take the Theorist here. I, I think the question is against what colors we want to be in. And blue has seemed a lot more open than white has, so I'd rather try to stick closer to the blue-red side of things. Yeah. In this next pack, we see a Hinterland Drake, an Impeccable Timing. We got another Ballista Charger um, and a Fireforger's Puzzle Knot, which is an artifact, but not really one I'm excited to be playing. I don't know. It does combine well with our Quicksmith Rebel. It does. It does. And there are an awful lot of X-1s in this format. I think this might be the kind of deck where we want a Fireforger's Puzzle Knot. Yeah, in this case, we're not, not really taking, we're not passing anything up extremely difficult to get back later. And it's it's mm -hmm. the first artifact we're picking up here. Um, next pack, we see Ice Over, Aviary Mechanic, an Arnhem Cobra, and an Eager Construct. Um, Eager Construct's fine, but we're doing okay with two drops. Um mm -hmm. I could see Maybe taking here just as an artifact. Uh, yeah. Yeah, but I think we'll be able to pick up other artifacts. If we do end up in the blue-red seat, I think we'd be happier to have an ice over. I think I, I like taking it as a hedge here. Notably, uh, the uh, the Whirler Virtuoso is gone. Yes, yes, we, we did lose out on that. Uh, so somebody's in blue-red, or at least trying to be. Um, next pack, we have another aviary mechanic, a propeller pioneer, and a cathartic reunion, spireside infiltrator, and druid of the cowl. I'm going to take the... Uh, I think I want to take the Propeller Pioneer here. It just seems like the best card overall, and we're probably not likely to play any of these. I don't mind a Spireside Infiltrator. There's still a chance we wind up in vehicles, but yeah, it's fine too. Yeah, we got kind of auto-picked into the Propeller Pioneer. Another Ice over here to round out pack one. Renegade Rallyer coming back around, and we just saw the other uh, white-green uncommon as well. Um, mm -hmm. And no Unbridled Growth and a Commencement of Festivities. These bad green-white cards, unsurprisingly. Last pick, Shipwreck Mori, which can be playable. Okay, coming into pack two, we've got a Yeheni, Undying Partisan, Trophy Mage, Malfus Revolutionary, Etherhub. Uh, there's a Dawn Feather Eagle and an Eddie Trail Hawk, both fantastic cards. In our colors, though, we have a Mobile Garrison, which is a great vehicle, one of my favorites in this format. We also have an Ether Chaser and a Chandra's Pyro Helix, though, in red. And I don't think mm. we're taking Garrison over either of those cards. Yeah, I love Ether Chaser. I think this kind of deck wants to be beating down, uh, which Aether Theorist I don't think is exactly where we want to be, even if we do wind up in blue. I think this wants to be a deck that attacks. Uh, we've got a Scrapper Champion. Maybe we could have a little more of a controlling aspect to it, but I don't see us as one of the late-game artifact decks quite yet. Yeah, so I guess the question is, do we want the removal over the, the creature? Um, probably right now we just want the creature. We're at five creatures, mm -hmm. five non-creatures, and... Uh, yeah, picking up a strong two-drop like Ether Chaser is probably where we want to be. Next, we see an, a Metalwork Colossus, Glimmer of Genius, mm. Windkin Raiders. A lot of good blue coming around. We see a Die Young in black. Uh, there's an Iron Tread Crusher in colorless. Uh, an Implement of Examination, that's the blue implement. What do we, what do we like here? So, Zach, how willing are you willing? How deep are you willing to go with me here? Let's go. Let's do it. Take that Metalwork Colossus. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think the actual correct pick is probably Windkin Raiders, but... Uh, we, I, I, I also be very okay with taking the Windkin Raiders. Uh, I, I think um, because we only right now have the Fireforger's Puzzle Knot as an artifact, and that's not even necessarily one we want to take. I think we could maybe pick up a bunch of vehicles for this deck that make the Colossus easier to cast, but Windkin Raiders is just going to be great no matter what. And it looks like we might actually be cutting off Blue Red here. 
it's possible that the person that picked up the world of virtuoso is far enough from the table from us that it's not going to be a problem yeah wow this next pack it has a wisp weaver angel and a cloud blazer in it are you kidding me um mm-hmm. there's also yeah there's also revoke privileges ether theorist there's another fireforger's puzzle knot but nothing in red so uh, that does make me a little worried there's an etherborn marauder in black as well but i think we're off that we could take a puzzle another fireforger's puzzle knot here and just you know try to get the artifact thing going i don't know we could. i'm not opposed to taking the cloud blazer here i think this kind of deck is going to want a prophetic prism or a renegade map mm. uh anyway just kind of on its own and both of those allow us to splash yeah and blazer's powerful enough that it's definitely worth the splash too we'll take that here oh here we go uh speaking of splashing we mm. see a depala pilot exemplar in our next pack mm. there's a speedway fanatic as well and nothing else i'm super excited about there's a self-assembler if we really want to go for that and there's also the uh servo schematic but i think i think depala is probably the pick here um we want to hope to splash either depala or cloud blazer and in fact we could splash both of them because they share the they share a color I don't know if Depala is doing much for us right now. Are you thinking we're going to pick up vehicles and dwarves? Well, my, yeah, my thought is this, like the aggressive decks might want a lot of vehicles, but maybe maybe that's that's wrong. There is yeah. still a chance we're just shit up red-white. I mean, we have a lot of powerful red cards. I, I'm okay with taking Depala here. Yeah, I don't think we really gave up too much to take that. In this next pack, we see a Barricade Breaker, which I think is pretty strong. Uh, we see a Fateful Showdown, which is potentially stronger, and uh, a Chandra's Pyro Helix. I like to Showdown here. Especially if we're going to be doing some kind of weird splashing, we might occasionally want to put some dead cards in hand. It's a hedge, but actually, I think uh, I think Fateful Showdown is just the correct pick here. Anyway, it's a powerful removal spell, and it can go face. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And if we find ourselves like we don't have a low curve, really, like our powerful cards are the four slot, and we have a, a couple things that are more expensive than that, so we might end up with cards stuck in hand anyway. It's sad to pass another Pyro Helix, but I think I think Fateful. And here we see, uh, kind of getting paid off here, a Veteran Motorist as well as a Sweatworks Brawler in red. Um, I think, yeah, I think we, we can just want to take the Motorist. Yeah, I think we slam this Motorist, and at this point, we're going to snap up every vehicle we can get our hands on. Yeah. Uh, in this next pack, we see a Weldfast Engineer, another potential splash if we don't want to splash white. Um, there's a Mobile Garrison, though, which I think is probably the pickup, giving, given that we were just talking about picking up all the uh, all the vehicles we can. Yep, agreed. Now, this actually goes pretty well with our not only our Quicksmith Geniuses, but our Quicksmith Rebel. Uh, they can turn a vehicle into a pinger. Absolutely. And being able to untap with a Mobile Garrison, kind of gas. So this next pack, this is pack two, pick eight we're on now. We see a Fireforger's Puzzle Knot, a Cathartic Reunion, not really cards we're interested, super interested in the Puzzle Knot we could get away with. But there's also an Iron Tread Crusher here. Not one of the best vehicles, in my opinion, but it is a vehicle. Mm-hmm. I'm between Puzzle Knot and uh, Crusher here. I don't, I don't think either of them are very good. Possible yeah, neither makes the deck. Exactly. Uh, coming into pick nine, we see a Reckless Fireweaver. Oh, we got an Eddie Trailhawk. And an Eddie Trailhawk. Good old Eddie. Yeah, I think we're going to want this Eddie Trailhawk. This is a great two drop. It can get our vehicles up in the air, even gets us a little bit of energy that we could maybe pump it with or uh, to jump some stuff into the air or maybe even the, uh, the feed the scrapper champion. Yeah, so now we're back to this pick 10. This was the pack we saw the Windkin Raiders, the Glimmer of Genius, and the Metalwork Colossus. We still see the Glimmer of Genius, so the Metalwork Colossus wow. left. Um, and I think that might be the pick here. I mean, we're kind of slow-ish. I'm not really sure. I mean, there's another Iron Tread Crusher, but I don't think we really pass anything by taking the Glimmer. I'm going to take a Fragmentize here. I actually don't mind playing one Fragmentize yeah. in the main board. There's just so many artifacts and enchantments, and honestly, the only deck that it's really blank against is uh, is Red-Green. Yeah, so rounding this part of the pack out, we're not really getting anything super exciting. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're just, just kind of taking some last-minute uh, fogs and bad cards and i don't know i think if we can play red white 
I think it'd be really good. Uh, we've got a veteran motorist and a Depala, and both of these, neither of these really wants us to get too creative with our mana base. That's true. So opening pack three, we've got a Skywhaler's Shot. There's a Prophetic Prism here as well. The um, rare is Disallow. Rare is Not disallow. exactly where we want to be. Nope. And that's about it. The only other exciting card in here is Arborback Stomper and Make Obsolete, and neither of them are in our colors. We could take the Prophetic Prism and use that off for like for the splash. We could also just take the Skywhaler's Shot and really hope not to be playing blue. Maybe Splash yeah. Blue for the Cloud Blazer. I think I'd like the Skylar shot here. Alrighty, I'm, I'm good to take that too. Maybe, I, I doubt we'll see the Prophetic Prism come back around because we haven't seen one yet, but coming into the next mm. pack, this is interesting. We see a Gonti, Lord of Luxury, Tesseret's Touch, Unlicensed Disintegration in the, the higher end uh, common, uncommon, rare slots, but actually a common's missing from this pack. So what do you think that says that they took? I mean, it's late in the draft, so it could be uh, Dude, I don't know. <laughs> uh, it could have been a blue card like an Ice Over. Yeah. Um, honestly, it beats me. Ganti's awesome, uh, although we're pretty far from playing him. You know, there's nothing in this pack that we really are interested in. I'm kind of on unlicensed disintegration here. I think we yeah. may end up cutting blue entirely, and it, I think if there's a color that we're likely to splash off of a prophetic prism or something, black could be it. Pairs yeah. well with our vehicles and our, our existing uh, artifacts. Agreed. And speaking of black, if we do want to splash it, we've got a Restoration Gearsmith in this pack, but that's not really something we are able to support too well. There's an Inventor's Goggles, a Sky Skiff in this pack, also a Chandra's Pyro Helix, and a Sweaty Bee. This is an interesting pack here because there are a lot of cards here that we want. Yeah, uh, I'm kind of between Inventor's Goggles and the Sky Skiff here myself, although I think at this point uh, we do have a good number of Artificers, but we also have some uh, Pilots as well. Mm-hmm. I think we might want the Sky Skiff. We're going to be cutting a lot of blue two drops from this deck, uh, and I doubt goggles are going to wield, but I think we want to get this uh, additional hit off the Pala as well. Yeah, I think you're right. Okay, next pack we have an Aether Torch Renegade, which is interesting, but really something that's kind of hard for us to really work with in this deck. Mm-hmm. There's a Glinsleeve Artisan really in white. Deck. Right. Glinsleeve Artisan in white, uh, which I think is a great pickup here, and that's about it. There's a Ballista Charger, but... that's not the kind of vehicle we want really uh it's a little bit slow for us yeah i think vehicles are best when uh attacking with them on turns three four or five not really casting them then i'm on the glint sleeve artisan here same okay into pick five here we see a countless gears renegade in white there is a welding sparks in red which i think is fantastic for us uh given that we don't have a ton of removal that we're sure we're playing um there's also Whalefast Monitor, but I think Welding Sparks is just the best card in the pack. What's our us. what's our creature count, by the way? Ooh, actually, we're at twelve creatures, thirteen non-creatures, mm-hmm. and we that doesn't want... count the vehicles. That's uh, true. I would still take the Welding Sparks, yeah. but we're going to want to pick up at least two to three more playable creatures before the end of this pack. Yeah, I think we're in a good shape here, though, uh, and we may actually we're going to be cutting probably the Aether Theorist and the Windkin Raiders, potentially the Cloud Blazer. I think so we're going to want to get rid of the Glimmer of Genius as well. Yeah, I agree. Uh, we're going to want to. Pretty much prioritize creatures here. I think our removal suite is actually pretty strong. Speaking of creatures, uh, coming into this next pack, we see a Sweatworks Brawler as basically our only option. There's a Hunt the Week, which is pretty late to see, in my opinion. Pack 3, pick 6. I'm, I'm surprised to see that still wheeling around mm. the table. There's also a Riparian Tiger, but I, I think Sweaty Bee. There's also an Impeccable Timing, but as you say, we, we kind of need to get our hands on some creatures. So Yeah, we might want to try to pick up some other cheap artifacts to, to help uh, improvise the Sweaty Bee out. Mm-hmm. Next pack. We got some options. Next pack here, we see a Revoke Privileges, which is a fantastic card in the color. Audacious Infiltrator as a creature in white. Um, yeah. And salivating uh, Gremlins. I think we got to take the Infiltrator here. We're cutting yeah. a lot of blue two drops that we picked up before, like the Ice Overs. We're going to want to be able to affect the void early. 
Exactly. And here we see basically a frontline rebel is our best pick here. Destructive tampering yeah. in red. I don't mind uh, playing a single destructive tampering, but I think we want the frontline rebel just as a creature that we can get in our deck. Right. And it's it has a relevant uh, power as well. Like it, it crews some of our bigger stuff. Mm-hmm. Pack three, pick nine. We have impeccable timing and aspire side infiltrator as potential picks. And at this point, we probably Hear me out. yep take the Narnum Cobra. Oh, there at is a Narnum Cobra. We want a uh, a two one artifact creature in this kind of deck. Yeah, there I think say, even though we can't activate it. I think you're right, and it's something that I absolutely would have and did look over. So uh, thanks for pointing that out. Um, in this no next problem. pack, we have an alley invasion, uh, alley evasion rather, and. Not a whole lot else. A Reservoir Walker, Hijack, Druid of the Cowl, Consulate Skygate. I don't think we're playing yeah, out. We're not, we're not, Evasion, we're not playing any of these. Well, the Restoration Gearsmith Wield, but again, really not something we care to play. Not mm. particularly. For Splashing Black, it's basically going to just be for that ins- unlicensed uh, disintegration. Next pack, we have a Conviction, Unbridled Growth, Wild Wanderer, really kind of winding down uh, at the end of these packs here. Make Obsolete, Wheeling again, and a last pick, Riparian Tiger. Wow, I think green was a little more open than we thought in that last pack, though. But we were pretty far off green altogether for this draft. So, um, so we have an interesting build process to go through here because uh, the yeah. deck kind of didn't really come together in that we weren't able to build it. It wasn't able to build itself because we kind of pivoted last minute. Um, but we this have kind a, of this weird split between wanting to be blue red and blue white, and it, it's a blue. If it's a blue red deck, it's a blue red deck that wished it was a blue white deck or a red white deck rather. Uh, I think because yeah. of of the cards that we did pick up in red. So I think we want to start. We're going to cut this glimmer. Right, let's uh let's cut our blue cards and see where that leaves us. Sure. Yeah, we have enough cards in the deck right now that cutting blue actually brings us to wanting. Let's see. That's eight. That, that's only fifteen lands. Is that right? Oh, you got the cloud blazer in there still though. Oh, true. It didn't it didn't auto correct the lands though. It's thirteen. 14, oh, just hit, hit the add lands thing up at the top. And uh, I actually don't think we want this unlicensed disintegration i think our removal suite is pretty strong we've got sky Weather's shot uh, we've got fateful showdown and chandra's revolution and a fragmentize yeah so so that is our our removal suite right we have fragmentize we have potentially fireforger's puzzle knot might act as a removal spell in some situations sky Weather's shot mm-hmm. welding sparks chandra's revolution fateful showdown especially because we're playing a veteran motorist and an apollo I don't think the splash for the unlicensed disintegration, although it would be amazing in our deck if we could reliably cast it. I don't think making our mana that much worse is going to be worth it here. Yeah, I think you're right. I'm on board with that. And so that leaves us that leaves us with something a little bit of an interesting deck, I suppose. We have a fragmentized at the one drop slot. There's an audacious infiltrator, Eddie Trailhawk, Aether Chaser, Narnum Cobra, Veteran Motorist as creatures in the two drop slot, Fireforger's Puzzle Knot, and Sky Skiff as uh, artifacts in the two drop slot. We're missing one card. Um, we're still at 39, which is kind of intriguing. Uh, and I don't... I mean, we could bring in the Propeller Pioneer. Maybe that's that's correct. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um, okay, and then, I we had it. Right, so did I. And then our, our three-drop slot. We actually have a decent curve here. It's a little heavy on fours, I think, for what I would have liked to see in this type of deck. But um, I haven't played this archetype too many times in this format. Uh, so maybe this is exactly where it needs to be. You know, I actually like this deck. Uh, I think this is... It's not the best red-white vehicles deck in that... Uh, typically with red white vehicles you want your curve to skew a little bit lower we would have loved a few more aether chasers uh, or even mm-hmm. a couple more eddie Trailhawks, or even any two drops uh, but i think we navigated this draft pretty well uh it's going to be tough uh because this is a bit of a slower red white vehicles deck but i think there's definitely draws from this that that will be pretty explosive uh, the ability to curve a veteran motorist into a mobile garrison into like a scrapper champion 
that's a mm-hmm. pretty powerful start. Yeah, being able to untap the Scrapper Champion on attacks is pretty pretty crazy. Yeah. And the question is, is this a 17 lander? And I actually think it is, given that we are pretty loaded on four drops, right. uh, even though the sweaty B can come down a bit early. Uh, and because Depala kind of acts as a late game mana sink, uh, I, I don't think we're actually opposed to, and also things like maybe uh, maybe they might come up that we want to play and crack our Fire Forger's Puzzle Knot in the same term. I don't think we're opposed to uh, hitting our, our fourth land job. Plus, we, we need to hit that four pretty crucially. If we get stuck at three lands, this deck will not do well. But we do have the Quicksmith Geniuses to filter. Uh, we also we have the Motorist to filter as well, uh, mm. off the scries. Yeah, interesting. I, maybe we could get away with 16 lands here, but we're just so four drop heavy. Yeah, I, I, I think worried. I like it at 17, personally. Mm-hmm. Plus, we'd rather not get stuck in the situation where we, have, we play Quicksmith Genius on three, and then need to play an artifact on turn four to to hit our land or like to try to rummage into our land i think we mm-hmm. want to be hitting our fourth land drop playing a four drop and then kind of working from there to see what else we have and like i said we have depala as a way to turn our, our extra mana into things and um even if we have if we draw extra lands we can keep them in hand we don't really have to play out past our, our fifth or sixth even um yeah. because we have a faithful showdown in our deck in which case we're perfectly happy keeping lands in our hand. Very true. If we're ever going to want a double spell, we're going to have to play them out. But yeah, Fateful Showdown is a great reason to sandbag lands. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think this is a pretty solid little little red-white deck we got here. It's it's a chunky red-white deck. That it is. But that 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 did it. Uh, that That's a deck. Hopefully we'll get a trophy out of it. I I would be surprised if this was a trophy deck. I, I think I put this closer to like a four-win deck, but... Uh, oh no, this is a, this is a trophy deck. <laughs> All right, all right. Yeah, no, uh, no, no, no pressure, no pressure. Really, yeah, right, definitely. Uh, really, couldn't anything be a trophy deck? It can, dude. I've seen some wild lists trophy. You know, if you're <laughs> a good right, player, yeah. which I'm not. Uh, <laughs> yeah, give yourself a little more credit here. There are no control cards in this deck. I don't see blue uh, anywhere. The closest thing to blue I see is in the art of Mobile Garrison. <laughs> Look, I mean, maybe you'll 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 have a draw, and it's like three lands and then you've got like fragmentize welding sparks fateful showdown scrapper champion that's kind of like a control deck right uh sure we'll, <laughs> we'll go with that i'm gonna go play some mono blue <laughs> yeah yeah okay okay uh, but this is this is you know a good kind of a workshop in staying open and trying to make sure that you are taking cards that are actually going to fit the game plan of your deck as opposed to getting bogged down in colors because mm-hmm. if if we really were just focusing on colors, this would not have ended up as a blue uh, as a red white deck, right? We would have been in a red blue deck. And in retrospect, if we had taken the Whirler Virtuoso over the um, uh, what was the the card that we took instead? Oh, uh, the, the Quicksmith Rebel. The Quicksmith Rebel, right? Yeah, pack um, one, pick one. If we if we had taken the Whirler Virtuoso, I think we would have been fine because we would have still been able to cut yeah. red. But I don't know that that would have been the like the best. Um, energy deck i mean there was that one the one uh red uh the electromancer or whatever that that generates energy and does a whole bunch of stuff with energy that would have paired well with that i guess but mm, yeah um i don't no, think the blue red deck like, really would have come no. together yeah i think this was a uh, not the easiest draft in the world uh certainly not one of those you know just take every red or white two drop and and it kind of comes together naturally but it's hard to say if this was uh where we were supposed to be especially because we were seeing a lot of green going late that, that mm-hmm. was a little surprising but I do like this deck. I, I like where we wound up. I, I put our draft uh, at 
maybe a probably somewhere between a six or a seven out of ten as far as our how our draft went. Uh, and as far as the deck, I like it. I think it's also probably around a seven out of ten. Really, I don't have it that high in my myself. I think I put it closer to a five or six, but um, mm. we'll see. We'll see how it goes. I, I mean, it's certainly not a terrible deck. It, it'll it'll perform, and we'll get some wins out of it. Uh, I no, just think I we're gonna we're gonna hit some of the the stronger, more uh, like right out of the gates red white decks, and that's gonna be trouble for us. But that's true. I mean, we do have a, a pretty good removal sweep, and uh, plus the, this deck can just turn things sideways. Uh, I think there are certainly good draws from this deck. I think there are also some draws that are risky. I think it, it's possible that uh, because of our bit of top heaviness, um, I think you might have to mulligan. Uh, kind of aggressively if you don't have a, a turn to play mm-hmm. yeah well we'll see how it goes i'll definitely be posting the final list on twitter and uh the the win rate and all that um i'll let you guys know how it went but that about does it for us with this episode um thank you so much for sticking through it and listening um definitely check out um the discord if you haven't already and if you're interested in talking more limited more constructed more anything magic or even some things not magic we've got we've got some other random channels in there for uh other types of discussions as well definitely get in there it's the best place to be to interact with our community that we've been building and uh, it's continuing yeah, to grow it's really awesome pile. the chat file i love it let us know what you think about that too please jump in the discord and tell us what you think about what we should call the community because i've been trying to put some thought into that and chat file is the best thing i could come up with which is pretty sad but uh you know that's where we're at um Apart from yeah, Discord, dude, I just thought of I just thought of one. Okay, the pack. Ooh, I yeah, like that. It's like a pack of cards, but it's also like a pack of I don't know, freaking wolves or something. It's like <laughs> we're, we're we're ravenous. Yeah, I mean it, it's we're a little generic. I think it's a little generic, but um, you know, when you consider that we're a limited based format, the pack has double meaning. I think that's something. All right, I like all right. it. I like uh, it. Like, comment, and subscribe oh if you want the pack <laughs> instead of. The, all, right, all right, seriously, let us know in the Discord what you think. If you join the Discord just to tell us which of these is better, I will be so happy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. Please let us know. Even if, even if you think Zach's idea is better than mine, he might track you down and 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 find you. But um, yeah, and actually, maybe I'll mention that on my uh, a sign off of my own. Maybe I'll hijack your sign off in a in a future episode. But I have something about Ben tracking people down that is a fun story. Um, and I imagine you know exactly which one I'm talking about. But anyway, I do. And I, next week, next week. Yeah. Okay. Um, besides the Discord, please, uh, if you're interested and you feel like giving back to the show, check out the Patreon. It's at patreon.com forward slash draft chaff pod. Um, again, that's the best way to give back directly to the show and um, also interact with us a little bit more frequently. And besides that, you can find us on social media. Uh, you can find myself at Rannick Efferdian on Twitter. You can find Ben at Betafish1 on Twitter as well. And you can find the podcast at draft chaff pod on Twitter as well as uh, draft chaff pod at gmail.com if you want to email us directly. Uh, but that about does it for us. Thank you so much for listening and we'll catch you next week. Later, everybody. So, we are now entering spoiler territory for The Mandalorian. Oh, If you boy. have not seen Mandalorian Season 2, Episode 5, turn off the podcast. This is your last warning. No joke. Do it now. All right, dude. We got to talk about this. Holy I, 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 was, I didn't want to wait until after the recording. I wanted to let our listeners see that uh, we may be magic nerds, but oh, boy, that's not all. We were Star Wars nerds first. Let's be honest.
And oh, actually, yeah. real fast, before we get into Mandalorian, that also kind of has something to do with what my potential sign-off was. So I'm going <laughs> to tell that story right now because it's actually relevant to what we're okay, talking about. Okay, okay, go, okay. But, but every, wait, everyone that just heard the spoiler oh, warning shoot, already turned right. it off. <laughs> uh, all right, never mind. I won't tell it now. I'll tell it next week. You got you to tell it next week. All right. Uh, so, yeah, freaking what? The Mandalorian. Dude. All right, so here's the thing. Zach and I combined probably know everything about Star Wars. That that right? Like I, I think that was I think that was true in high school. I have paid far less attention since high oh, yeah. school ended, but uh yeah, we did especially know a lot about the extended universe stuff. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, about as much as there was to know. And I, I I will admit while Rusty, I think we both also have a good enough memory to be able to talk about this stuff pretty well. Yeah. So just to give some background on my own Star Wars knowledge, and uh, it sounds like this is going to be a little bit of a longer sign-off, but bear with us here. Um, my, I, the Old Republic is like my my jam, my favorite era yeah. of all of magic, uh, magic Star Wars, <laughs> and also the like far into the future New Republic, like Yuuzhan Vong War uh, mm-hmm. level New Republic. And actually, that's where I get my my like screen name. The Galfridian part is from uh, a, a, like a New Republic era uh, character, Finn Galfridian, who was a, a, a kind of a renegade Jedi of sorts. I always forget that. That's right. Yeah. So um, as the Mandalorian, if you're listening, presumably you've also seen it and also have some appreciation from it. Dude, the way that. All right. So, so first of all, you know how Disney like they kind of a few years ago, they had a big thing where they're like, all right, all the old expanded lore. We're going to wipe it clean. We're giving our directors full creative integrity to rewrite stuff. Mm-hmm. Everyone was like, come on, what? You can't you can't do that. Yeah. Like, all the comics, all the games invalidated. Yep. But now what we have are some of the best directors uh, working today. Uh, Dave Filoni, John Favreau, these, these guys that actually seem to care about what they're doing, rebuilding some of that expanded universe lore. Uh, yeah. First of all, Clone Wars and even Rebels. Awesome. Great stuff. Yeah. And I love to see some tie-ins here where we got Ahsoka Tano in a live action Star Wars. Like, uh, 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 what else could you want? Uh, I, that, I that especially so I especially love that because, uh, you know, if you followed the Clone Wars through and through from the movie to the last season that they just mm-hmm. recently released with after the Disney acquisition and everything, it's pretty clear that Dave Filoni wanted to tell Ahsoka's story the whole time. Like, yeah, it wasn't really an Obi-Wan Anakin show. It was really an Ahsoka show overall. And um, I really love that he was able to take his baby, so to speak, if, if any individual character was his Ahsoka is his. <laughs> and oh, yeah, he brought her to the to the to the not the silver screen because we're not in movie theaters, but, the, you know, the next best Platinum. thing. Yeah, basically. And Rosario Dawson was a phenomenal actress to cast for that role. I'm just going to throw that out there. I think she killed it. Um, yeah, I bought it and every every ounce of it. Yeah. It, it felt like watching Ahsoka, who up until this point, we've only ever seen in anim- animation uh, voiced by uh, Ashley. What's her name? I always forget her last name. I can never remember her last name either. Eckenstein, something like that. Yes. I yeah, Eckstein, I think. Eckstein? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but it still felt like I was watching Ahsoka. And those first five minutes, dude, so good. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. In the, in the midst of doing some classic uh like rogue force wielder white lightsaber nonsense just mowing down those those like renegade dudes so good yeah absolutely and it's it's cool because like they gave they kept her at the white saber 
era of her like lifespan like if you track through rebels and all that like you can kind of gauge when she's doing certain things based on her saber color which is cool um and dude okay i know we were starting at the beginning but grand admiral freaking thon <laughs> i was gonna get to a few more things oh, well, thrawn. okay well thrawn is like one of my favorite all-time favorite characters in star wars period yeah. and yeah. uh if you are interested in thrawn more and you don't know about this already check out the book series by timothy zahn he's the original writer for the book like the the character back in like the 90s or whatever but he's re- rebooted after the Disney acquisition, his Thrawn series, and he wrote them again. And it's a trilogy of books right now, and it's phenomenal. Check it out. But Thrawn is easily one of my favorite characters of anything ever. Yeah. Would you describe him? I, I described him to a friend once because she she called me after watching The Mandalorian. She was like, Ben, you're, you know this stuff, right? Who's Thrawn? Why should I care? And I described him to her as... Um, a little bit of Thanos and a little bit of Moriarty. What would you say to that? Oh, yeah, that's really intriguing. He has so so he has the that's actually a very apt description because he has the same like I'm the only person who understands that this is what's at stake mentality that Thanos has. Yep. And he also has the what the heck, how are you so intelligent and see all these loopholes line type things that a Sherlock yep. would have. But he's also borderline not a good person. So I like the Moriarty. Yeah. uh Aspect he, to he's it. a very like study your enemy and appreciate them. It's like to to someone like Thrawn, everything is just a big chess game, and he's literally just moving you around. Yep. And Timothy Zahn's books highlight that super well. He writes in that mentality very, very, very well. Uh, so I actually think I'm going to reread those soon. But um, Rhythm of War from the Stormlight Archive just came out, and that's a 1300 page book that I got to get through. So, uh, but anyway, Good yeah, luck. Thrawn is phenomenal as a character. I'm so excited that at the prospect of him even being name dropped in Mandalorian, let alone to see him. If we actually get him, because he was in Rebels, which I thought was phenomenal and they handled the character very well, Uh, but they never really finished his story in Rebels. And this takes place before Rebels, doesn't it? I I need to get my my timeline a bit straight. No, it takes after Rebels. This is after Rebels. Rebels. That was, that was, um, that was, uh, uh, Rebellion era. Yeah. Right. So this is, this is like new Republic era. Re- yeah, rebels okay, ended okay. like right around when rogue one That's takes true. place yeah um but yeah so this is like new republic era when he even in like the old lore like he was still kind of doing things at large for a while uh yeah. after the empire fell originally and then yeah. you know like the whole imperial knights thing happened and um then the using using vong war happened and all that and, yeah. and the empire really did kind of get wrecked but um so there, were, there were a few more references from this that i wanted to discuss uh one at the very end of the episode um first of all dark saber's coming back uh, i yes. think I, i'm excited to see how they tie in the, the Vizsla legacy and uh and all that excited to see where that goes potentially because ahsoka has dealt with the Vizsla clan before mm-hmm. so i want to see if they end up bringing those two together and I love that Bo-Katan uh, was the introduction between Ahsoka yeah. and, and Mando, right? Like, yeah, especially because awesome. of her connection with the Darksaber and all. Yeah. 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 It was so sick. Uh, I guess besides that, I have two other things I wanted to say. The, uh, the, one of the last shots, uh, what, what's the, uh, the, uh, the dude that's got the Darksaber? I forget his name right now. Oh, geez. I don't remember it either. Uh, to be honest, I can't remember general. Mando's name. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Uh, j- just the, the general, um, uh, whatever that guy is, the, the highest rank, the dude that's got the the dark saber. Uh, let us know in the in the Discord what the names that we're forgetting. Uh, but the guy that's got the dark saber, someone like came to him with a message, and he was standing in this room, and up against the wall 
there were these, they looked like kind of like Stormtrooper-esque. Uh, this is another thing that they took from the old lore that they're now incorporating into the new lore called the the, uh, the Dark Trooper Project. Yeah. So in the old lore, it was a three-phase uh, new Imperial era. I don't know. After after the wars, the Empire, they just started doing a bunch of wacky science projects. Yeah, it was like basically... like they do it now again. Right. Like, well, like when, the, when the Empire rose to power, like Palpatine and all that, they still had, like, I mean, it was more, it was a dictatorship and like all that kind of thing, but they still had laws in place that like were governed by hierarchical government kind of structures. And once yeah. the Empire falls, when, when, when the Emperor falls and the actual Empire itself is kind of rid with, like it's just gone, it wasn't actually, and I think that's something people forget if you just watch the movies like it's not like the empire just suddenly overnight was gone the emperor died but there's still all of these factions of imperials around the entire galaxy and now they have nobody to govern them so they're just doing whatever the heck they want when you say died are you ignoring the fact okay yes yes i hated episode nine dude i'll I'll just say it i hated it (laughs) i hated every moment of it i left they had mad they had so many ways they could have done that better that's maybe for a different sign-off of a different time. No, let's let's save that for a different sign-off. That could be a whole rant unto itself. But so anyway, the the Dark Trooper project was this three-phase uh, imperial science project, uh, and it was supposed to be a, a kind of an answer to some of the the newer threats that were coming from the, the New Republic. So the the first model was like the skinny little like droid esque thing. Uh, the second one was a slightly bulkier one, and the third version. Uh, was it was usable as a droid like it could pilot itself but you could also wear it as a suit of like as like an exosuit of armor and uh the helmet design that we saw in that last shot oh moff gideon that's with moff gideon uh it looked exactly like the old dark trooper armor and also it was a bunch of dark troopers standing as if they were like not human-esque gotta be the dark trooper project cool to see that brought back definitely so we've got Dark Trooper Project, we've got Thrawn. One other thing that was worth mentioning real fast before we try to sign off here is uh, the reference to the Old Republic Tython, which was the original was home say. planet of the Jedi. Tython, dude, we're going to Tython. And now something people may know if they're fans of the Old Republic. Uh, Zach and I played Star Wars The Old Republic, the, the MMO. How many hours do you think we put in the in the older? Oh, I put so I had I had a char- like I had characters for every class, and I put days worth of hours into each of those characters. I think my main character was like I had like weeks of gameplay into that character, like literal oh, weeks. Yeah. Um, Easily, we were both playing from closed beta all the way through like I think the beginning of college, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, and we were guild masters. I was yeah. I was ranked PvP for a while. Like we we were good. We were good at that. Yeah, game. like you got. I mean, I I pretty much never played PvP, but you you were like recognizable on the, on our server. People like noticed you. It, maybe a little bit here and there. Uh, I I knew my stuff. Yeah, so I, I, I like a little bit of Hutball. Right. Know? Yeah, yeah. But if you so if you, if you played Star Wars: Old Republic, you know that the Jedi start on Tython. That's like the starting planet for the Jedi classes, and yeah. uh, it's like the ancient homeworld of of the, the Jedi as an order. And it's wild too, that, that we're like, bring back this Yoda character, right? They Grogu, as we now know, he's called. <laughs> All right. Can, can we talk about that name real quick? Yeah, I didn't I'm like it. Name, I'm right? a little sad. I'm a little sad. I'll be honest. Uh, I texted my brother immediately upon learning that. And he told me it'll Grogu on you. Oh gosh. <laughs> oh gosh. All right. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think I we, know. I think we need to leave the, <laughs> leave the audience there because that was awful 
Yeah, no, that that that's pretty bad. But I, I'm excited to see Titan. I'm excited to see the rest of the series. It's been great so far. Who knows what we get next? Absolutely.